0: Marketing leads to, you know, there's creative, our technology is always incredibly strong. Our technology, we always really focus on technology, helping our marketing uh, and just our products are really great. Uh, So you kind of have to start with a really great product. And so we do that as a base, but across all of it, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of money on marketing, you know, so that that's between all of our businesses. Right. And so that kind of knowledge, although marketing really lives within each, each company, we typically look at a lot of the opportunities from a marketing-based opportunity.
1: Welcome. I am really, really excited uh, to be bringing uh, an amazing leader, Marco Pimentel. Uh, Marco worked three years as a as a, an operator franchisee out west, and then three years as a district manager. Uh, was tremendously successful. Shout out Corey Bartram, who uh, connected me with Marco to have him on on our show, and uh, just an incredible story. Basically, Redbrick has been identified, uh, the company that he's a co-founder of and uh, a partner of as, as one of the fastest growing companies in Canada, fifth fastest growing company in Canada. Assembly, which is one of the companies under that, was just recognized in BC as, as being uh, the fastest growing company in British Columbia with 67,000% growth. I, I think I got that right. I wrote it down. And they've got over a hundred people, about $80 million in revenue. And I just loved just the integrity, the commitment to people, the um, real calm that, that Marco has about being such a, an incredibly successful young business leader at such a young age. And uh, I, I really, really recommend listening to this podcast. I know you're going to love it. And shout out again to Corey to uh, send them our way for for all of you amazing leaders. Thanks so much, everyone. So, Marco, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, no, really, really excited. And, and I wanted to sort of start with just tell me what you were like before joining the program.
0: Ha, that's uh, a little bit way back, but... Um... I, I was I've always been pretty intrigued uh, when it comes to business. I found out about the program from university tending business, so I obviously had some idea that I wanted to be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. But I was I was always kind of a curious kid before uh, okay. student works. You know, I from shoveling the roof of our you know for business to cutting grass to selling things. I started a car import parts company, um, you know, when the Fast and Furious came out and, you know, I put like little flyers on everybody's uh, windshields when that movie came out for selling my parts. So I've, I've always kind of, I was always very entrepreneurial, loved meeting people, talking to people, um, understanding what business, but I, I grew up in a very small town. I, my family's from Portugal, but I grew up in Kitimat in Northern BC. So, you know, one way in, one way out, 10,000 plus people. I wouldn't say it's the the best place to to learn entrepreneurship or business or or be connected that way. So, but yeah, I was I, I was always very kind of curious about it and and spent a lot of time just really excited about finding out a new things. And this is kind of right when the internet was kind of starting and getting getting a little bit more impactful. So it's very very different at that time, right? It's a lot yes. harder to explore the world uh, back then than it is today. But yeah, I definitely say that. I, yeah, I really loved just love the idea of
1: business. Yeah, no, there's just a leaning, you know, that a lot of our our past leaders from the program already have towards, you know, those things. I, I, I ran a landscaping business and a gardening and a, and a snow shoveling business. Similarly, it's like, oh, go make some money and learn how to please a customer and provide yeah. value. So did you think about biggest frustrations? Did you have any big frustrations as a teenager before you got started running your business?
0: I wouldn't say I had big frustrations. Um, you know, I was always trying to eagerly trying to figure out how to make more money. <laughs> okay. you know, i, I uh, you know that kind of connection with finances and money i I used to work at a grocery store at three thirty in the morning before school as in high school wow. you know, I'd, I'd work from three thirty till seven thirty in the morning, go to school, come back there at four o'clock. so I'd say that i I put a lot of effort into understanding how to how to make money and how that yeah. worked um I don't know if I would say I was overly frustrated with it, but I think it goes back to the just kind of the, the small town. It was easy to to do things, but it was also kind of frustrating to not learn. Like when you, you'd come down south to Vancouver, for instance, and you just realize the world is a lot bigger, and, and you realize in those small towns it's a lot smaller. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, I'd say I, I didn't have a lot of people to lean on to learn, and so I just right. kind of did it did it myself and just start things and you know just tinkered around and was curious about what people were doing. But definitely felt like even my first year in university, I came back and I worked for for a company. and it was just starting to really realize that this small company had done well, but they're just thinking so small town, small, kind of you know, just the methodology of what they're doing. So I, I'd say that I was very kind of just overall, I wouldn't say I was overly frustrated, but overall, just understanding that there the world is a little bit bigger. How do you learn more, you know, and, and yeah. that's obviously what led me to decide okay, I should get down south, go down to school right. and, and, and start to kind of open up my horizon at that point.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's great. And obviously I know you stayed with, you stayed with student works uh, a, a whole long time uh, as an operator and as multi-year district manager. You know, I know you had some tremendous success. I know when I, I was talking before, uh, four years as a DM, you had 16 out of 20 vets returning one year, like, wow, just a really, really incredible success.
0: It was, yeah, when you look back at it and, and it built upon <laughs> uh, success, but it, um, yeah, so for three years as a franchise owner, and then it came in as a district manager and led to a general manager for four years and built some incredible relationships and. First year was a little bit rough, uh, you know, as a, as a franchise owner, as your first yeah. year jumping into things. But uh, when you look back at it, it was uh, total success kind of over those seven years.
1: And so what do you still rely on from the program?
0: Well, I, th- I think when you kind of just look at career wise, you kind of look and chalk back to experiences. And if I if I think about what I rely on, I rely on the ability to to jump into a business, experience it, understand that, you know, systems are really, really important, um, you know, and then obviously relationships at the same time. But, you know, we, we've we had some success in our business, my business currently, but it was really kind of putting in some systems in places and that really skyrocketed our business from kind of started in uh, those changes in about 2016. And those systems, we kind of learned that I I was, you know, we were definitely said, we got to do these things. We have to put these structures in place. And, yeah, we're not building a franchise business. And, you know, but we I really, really understood that those systems um, and how you treat them and understand them could be incredibly impactful in business. And, and you know, I I think I I still use you know the lessons of cold calling today. I you know I I I love the I love that and and actually I did a lot of it on my first startup as well. Mm-hmm. They're brutal. They're hard, but you know I I love when people turned on their sprinklers and you know slammed the door in your faces because it's all of it's just a, it's experiences, right? And you know just kind of compounds its its way. So, um, but yeah, I I'd say the the relationships. You know, I have I have people past and present, uh, at Redbrick right now that are actually past student works. I have incredible friends that I've made over the years, but really this, the systems and understanding that there is kind of a process and how that could be applied from, you know, painting business to technology. Yeah, really, you know, really, really, uh, impactful from, you know, the years that I I did it and to today.
1: Yeah. Those structures make such a difference. Like, you know, it's, it's the, the structure just allows people to just do their role, right? And not get caught up in how am I supposed to do this and what happened and why didn't do this? Like, like yeah. I see, it's not as clear for me creating structures. I know Andrew Britton, one of your old friends, uh, you know, uh, who, who was the uh, founder of student works West. Um, he actually provided a whole updated and improved systems, that we took on and, and just cause I, it's just not my gift. And then since then we've gotten better and better and better in our business, but just being really, really clear and having sort of the structure support the business you're like, you know, could you explain that any better for our young leaders? Like how you're using that in at red brick yeah. and the different businesses that you operate?
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll go back to an example in 2016. Basically we did business as Redbrick. But that really wasn't what Redbrick was. Redbrick was a kind of a, a portfolio company. And within Redbrick, we had a few different business lines. So we had Assembly, which was a digital publisher. We had this new product called Shift, which was a, essentially a productivity browser. And then we had a, a software tool called Desmetrics and Rebase. So we had a bunch of different product lines at different companies. And everybody at Redbrick was working on all of them. Mm-hmm. And what we realized is this, this is, you know, you can have it, somebody, an engineer, in one day working on shift, and the next day they're working on assembly. And this kind of mind switch between all of these context switches was, 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 didn't really work. So we kind of said, okay, something has to change. We've got to put some systems in place. We've got to put into some structure. So in 2016, we decided we're going to focus Redbrook really as a parent company. Uh, portf- and, you know, we have our HR and finance. We have our creative team. We have our executive team that sit in there. But we're now going to have a general manager or CEO run each of our different companies. Right. Within that, we're going to have, have technology teams, marketing teams, and everybody's going to be focused on their individual different companies. And this is obviously very organizational uh, in terms of structure. But it was pivotal in terms of our, our our growth. And from there, we really were able to grow each independent company. Over the last kind of five years, because of that, yeah. And then you know things like OKRs, so uh, very similar to kind of some of the goal setting that uh, I'm sure still goes on today from at student works is we use uh, OKRs, which is objectives and key results from Intel, which was brought into Google. Yeah. And you know we we run that process now across all of our organizations, the four companies that we we own, and you know that comes back into the red brick fold, and you know those those structures are incredible. I I used to. In the beginning of a student works uh, year, I would take each of my franchisees. This was independent, and I'd never share this with my franchise owners, but I would kind of just quickly guess where I would think my franchise owners would be at the end of the year. and For sure. And, and then you take the goals of what they, they implement. And it was shocking. And I still use this story where I, I would be within two to 3% at the end of every year and it was just an incredible to see how these goals impacted so you know OKRs is a very similar thing that we use across organizations so tech technology can can take some of these things and 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 apply that and then you see results from it and you're like okay this this really works well yeah you know, uh, how do, how do you, you, know, you give everybody lots of freedom in their organization to do things? And but I think really what structure does is it just kind of allows scalability and repeatability and growth. And, and we've had some pretty wild success in terms of numbers and, and, and really fast. And it's because you can't grow that fast without some sort of structure or some sort of system in place to understand how do you how do you do that again?
1: Yeah. And then as well, it's, it's, it's allowing people to be their best self, right? It's like, you know, you know, Marco, I know you're really, really smart and really, really capable. And if you're trying to directly manage, I know how many people you have 50, hundred, you know, that doesn't work. Right. So how do we let everyone free and loose and really able to create again, but going in the same direction?
0: Yeah, it's a a good example. We have, you know, not a hard and fast line with it, but by the time you start managing about 10 people, things start to fall apart. You know, yeah. like that's 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 kind of a rough, you know, rough guideline for any of our leadership team, you yeah. know, members, that type of thing. So, like, so that's just a simple example of where, you know, structure kind of, you know, starts to fall off. And, you know, we have our, our HR team and people ops team, they when we go hiring they have a very rigid hiring process and we've used that hiring process we use pi you know pi
1: predictive index so do we, we yes we yeah. use
0: pr- predictive index um yeah. you know that who interviews who yeah. you know we always call call references it's just these are the things that we've built into our business and you know we we we've, we've grown to about 150 employees now and i'd say a large part of that and every almost every one of our employees has gone through that process It's a very long process we do a lot of yeah. interviews but yeah it's it's worked incredibly well mm-hmm. so you know i think you 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 do break that down and i think that was a, there's a lot of comfort when we when think about student works is that that's a great way to get a little bit of a taste of business because you have a little bit of a playbook a little bit of kind of some structure while you're going into it, because you're going to learn, there's going to be so much to learn, but mm. you, you, you have that in place. But I, I really think that that allows companies to, to grow and, and and to scale. And like, you know, for us, we're trying to acquire, uh, we're looking right now to acquire another company and without having those systems in place, you know, we just did our big first major yeah. acquisition in, in we closed it on March the first of this year. And we were really quite nervous. It's, this, you know, a company with 40 peoples in Minneapolis and right. But now we're like, oh, let's, how do we do it again? You know, because we had a lot of systems in place and things went, I'd say, smoother than we expected. Right. And and so you're like, oh, I can, we can do this again. You know, we can, we can build, build upon this and, you know, this works. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's a very important piece.
1: Well, that's awesome. So why don't we go back? So, you know, you, you, I know you, you left, you went traveling for three to four months and then you came back. What did you do next in terms of your career path?
0: Yeah, so I um, I left and I think I finished off kind of the year recruiting and then around my girlfriend, my my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time, uh, we headed off to Southeast Asia, came back and I started I as while I was there, I thought I was going to have some sort of like aha moment. And I, I realized that my aha moment should have been selling coconut water because I saved a couple. Uh, it was, I I believe they were Russian and they got caught up in some currents in Thailand and I I saved them on my boogie board. And when I sat down at the beach, I got this coconut and they're like, take this coconut water. This is the best thing for you. This is like hydration. Like you couldn't believe it. And you know, sure enough now they're it's a, it's a billion dollar category. So I definitely, I missed that one, but I I went on this trip thinking like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what the heck I'm going to do. But when I came back a few months later, uh, I decided to start an online company uh, focused on digital coupons, so very similar to kind of Groupon of the days, and uh, with an idea like let's do this on a smaller scale in smaller cities. Right. And I kind of call it my my hard learning masters program where I spent a crazy amount of money and <laughs> you know lost it lost it most of it but it was you know a year and 3 months out of my life that was a, a incredible learning experience and luckily though I sold it a- and not my my luck part was I didn't sell it so that I can live on an island I I, I did not sell it and make a ton of money from it <laughs> but but what I did do is I, I sold it to who's now my business partner now and so that's right. kind of how I got got connected to uh, connected to him was through this uh, through the sale process and so yeah, after after I sold that business, uh, I went out and I worked for the company that helped build it for about a, not even a year, and then I uh, went for a beer with uh, with my partner and uh, decided, okay, let's 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 join Red Brick and and build upon that. And so that was uh, about a eight or nine years ago now. So,
1: and so what what did the business? Why did it interest your partner?
0: He had a similar business, and so okay. we were friendly competition. And they were they were bigger at the time. And I remember uh sending him an email saying, I want to acquire you with no no rhyme or reason to acquire them, no money to acquire them. But I knew I'd kind of get a meeting and a and a perked interest at the time. So we we ended up meeting and you know had a good good conversation. We kept in kept in touch, you know, I was building a, you know, a a list of customers, they're building a list of customers, I was building a list of advertisers, they're building a list of advertisers, it just kind of made sense at that point that, listen, why don't we just Amalgamate the two, the two together, and so I I did help them do some consulting in terms of advertising and put the list together. Allowed me to get you know kind of a clean break of the business, and uh, at that time I, I like I said, I joined another company for about about a year. Decided not to do uh, entrepreneurship at the time. I wanted a little bit of a a little bit of a break, right? And and then joined Red Brick right after about a year later. So it was about the right right time to do that.
1: Yeah. And one, one great lesson for our leaders is, you know, not seeing your competition necessarily as like a, a competition, uh, to the death, uh, somebody we're going to fight with all the time that, that a lot of times they oh. can really be real allies, right. Without price fixing.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an early thing in business that it's just an early thing. And I think when you're when you're young and you're first starting, you think that competitors are 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 the enemy. And I, I think that's like you said, it's completely false. Our biggest competitor at Redbrick earlier in the days is now one of our biggest partners. okay. So you know it's a very clear example that that's just not you know that's not the case. And actually, you know arguably if 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 we probably didn't think so competitively of them before, there probably could have even been an earlier opportunity and a potential bigger opportunity, you know, over those earlier years as well. Uh, We were just kind of naively thinking, you know, competitor a versus competitor B versus partnerships. It blinds you, right? Like if, if you're thinking competitively, it really blinds you. And, you know you, you you you're you're not leading you're following you're chasing rather yes. than innovating there's yeah. just there's so many examples of just competitive nature and especially in the technology and online world right you, you think of a great idea you look online and all of a sudden there's going to be 10 different companies doing something and it can be quite deflating <laughs> when you're, when you're right. starting out but that's the way that the world is today you have to accept it but if um yeah, you know, competition's really, really, really
1: healthy. So yeah, and and I think a lot of times people see it as a pie, and and there's only so much business in this pie, and so if Marco do- doesn't get it, then I can get it. When in fact, no, the pie can get bigger and bigger, and you know, turn yeah. strawberry from blueberry, and just be be totally, totally transformed by creativity and and value to the customer
0: that was that's the one thing I remember learning from student works was I was like how many bloody houses are there to paint there's no way like how how do you how do you have enough business to paint paint houses and I I remember the story of at training just like look around you and just start thinking about everything that needs to be painted and that happened in the early days of of Redbrook as well when we were really growing I was like how can we possibly have more people come to our sites every single day because we're dealing with you know volumes of, you know we're talking millions of people per day and you know i i just couldn't fathom this idea that how can we just do this every day again and again and again and you know now years later i think red brick touches almost three thousand people a minute online you know we we we're, we're you know on a given day we're probably about two million people will touch and use our products and so we have an incredible scale, and in I'm very comfortable that I know that tomorrow we'll have that scale, and the next day we'll have that scale, and the day after. Um, so it's uh, fantastic. But at first, it was very like, "There's no way that this just keeps going. Like, where right. where is the scale? How many how many houses can you paint versus how yeah. many people can come to a website? It's it's, you know, the 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 scale is absolutely massive and just kind of beyond thinking, typically.
1: Right, right. Well, that's uh, that's fascinating. So so why don't you walk us through just the business, and and so we understand sort of what the model's doing. So you go into partnership with your uh, with with the founder of the business, and you, you co-found this business. Why don't you describe what what's what's going on there, Marka?
0: Yeah. So so I came in, and I think it was either it was late. 2012. So I think it's 2012 or early 2013. And I came in as a kind of an entrepreneurial type of position. I was a director of distribution, helped kind of scale Redbrick over the first uh, couple of years. And in the beginning, Redbrick was doing essentially we're like a marketing service company for desktop software companies. And uh, we realized quickly that we had, a, we did a really good job marketing their products and that we wanted to start owning our own products. Cause you know, we're, we're driving such massive scale for them. Right. And we grew like crazy. I think uh, we were over 8,000% over a five year period. Uh, I think we we're the fifth fastest growing company in Canada at that time. And then in 2016 uh, or 2015, Tobin and I, Tobin, the CEO and 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 founder at Redbrick. He was Redbrick was actually founded as uh, as a two individual, two founders. Uh, one of the founders decided that he wanted to move along and 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 get out of the business. And so we actually started another company called Assembly, which is our digital publishing business, in 2015. And so I co-founded that with Tobin. And then in 20 17 we amalgamated all under kind of red brick and that's kind of when i i, I took my uh, i took my ownership of red brick and i converted it from the assembly days and so today red brick is portfolio company of, of of four different companies and one of them is assembly which is a digital publishing company so we have technology that allows us to understand and monetize an audience so really think of us as we have our own publishing sites. So one of our sites is a health site called facty.com. We see about uh, anywhere between half a million to a million people per day that visit our site, uh, arguably sometimes in the 10, 10th or 11th largest health site in North America. In about 2019, we saw about 250 million visitors to our properties um, and over about a billion page views. So we're not journalists, we're not content experts, but we're kind of Pushing the boundaries in terms of technology in the digital publishing space, which is uh, kind of a n- unique space, and so um, it's a really kind of fun business, high growth business. Uh, we were named the fifth fast, or no, the fastest growing company in BC this year with about sixty-seven thousand percent growth. So tons of crazy, crazy growth, and it's been uh, really, really fun. And then we have Rebase, which is kind of our uh, what we call our legacy business, which is a a browser-based business so we have uh, a a chromium-based browser and then we have shift which is a productivity browser business Um, and so the idea with shift is you have multiple email accounts and multiple multiple apps and tabs it's a little bit of a mess you know how business runs online you got tabs everywhere you got web apps you got Browser-based apps. You have three or four different email accounts. Shift essentially for a SaaS product brings it all in together for a year a year price and allows you to be incredibly productive. It's I, if if Shift breaks for me for 20 minutes, I get really frustrated. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't do it. It, it. It's it's a really kind of uh, a, a tool that I just I, I love to use and. That has you know thousands of thousands of customers and then in March first we acquired lead pages which lead pages is a, a a landing page and website builder tool so um, essentially they allow customers about forty thousand customers to uh, build landing page build websites but with a real big focus on leads you know like yes so somebody you know r- rather than focusing on the creative side it's it's you know build a really productive site you know as in you know, your site is out there so that you can get customers and yes. their, their slogan is turn clicks into customers and so yeah we've we've kind of slowly done that we, we that was our first biggest kind of uh, acquisition that we've done and yeah so today we've got 115 people most in victoria uh we have a few we have a, a team in minneapolis and then a few kind of in different parts of the world as well
1: fascinating 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 and so it just seems like, for me, and I don't know about our leaders listening, a lot to hold, hold, hold together in your head. So, you know, yeah. about all these opportunities, about all this growth going in different areas. So, how do you and your senior team do it?
0: Yeah, um, well, I think it goes back to a little bit of that kind of systems and systems and structures, right? Right. Um, uh, I think every one of our companies is. Hell, or or managed with either a general manager or a ceo mm-hmm. actually one of our gms of, of of rebase used to be uh student works uh okay, franchise okay. owner yeah also a district manager as well um so he's kind of i brought him in years and years ago he's fantastic right. and so really good friend of mine as well and underneath that team there's also typically a a group of directors, so directors okay. leading marketing, technology, uh, product, uh, and then we have our our our, our teams uh, under there. And then, uh, you know, so we have our OKRs across the organization. You know, we high, highly rely on goals um, and that kind of that structure to do that. And so I, I would say that we hold it all together because we have a, a big team and incredible leadership and management that uh, holds it all together. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then, and then I guess one big advantage of that size is, is that you can take the great marketing ideas in one area or the ability to capture leads in one area and give it someplace else. Right. And the great strategies that are working here. So to me, it sounds like the businesses are are kind of different, but are are there things that hold it all together that you guys are really strong at that give it lift?
0: Yeah, we our Our common theme is we we put products in front of our customers. And so across all of the organizations, we, we excel at marketing and marketing leads to, you know, there's creative, our technology is always incredibly strong. Our technology, we always really focus on technology, helping our marketing Uh, and just our products are really great. Uh, So you kind of have to start with a really great product. And so we do that as a base, but across all of it, you know, we're, we're spending a lot of money on marketing. You know, so that that's between all of our businesses. Right. And so that kind of knowledge, although marketing really lives within each each company, we typically look at a lot of the opportunities from a marketing based opportunity. And so when we think about acquiring another company, you know, we are we are generally leading towards companies that help the digital entrepreneurs. So we have, you know, lead pages, which is a a, a landing page and a website builder. So that's kind of in your, you know, you're starting a business. But, you know, if you want to send an email to your customers or those leads, what do you use? You got to use an email service provider. So that's a good example of like a company that we would be potentially looking at acquiring, you know, is helping right. entrepreneurs uh, reach out to their leads and communicate to their leads. Um, And so something like that, we'd be like, okay, well, what are they doing marketing wise? How can, if we acquire them, how can we change that? How can we impact that? And so, yeah, knowledge transfer is, is huge across the organization. You know, everything from, you know our our Google reps to you know that that are are managing all of our different companies as well uh, to just kind of our creative knowledge you know video ads everything kind of just really helps you know when it comes to technology we you know we have tools that we use across the organization you know so there's there's you know there there are a lot of overlaps across all of it that we feel really comfortable um so although the companies are very different in what they do I'd, I'd say the common there are commonalities for sure
1: right and so in terms of would you ever start another business within or or likely just go and purchase people who've already made some headway
0: we have some pretty good goals um you know we kind of had this goal of 100 million and and 100 people and we've surpassed the people and you know we're uh we're we're kind of on this run rate around 80 so we're we're getting there um but the acquisition was was a really great experience, I think, and and I, it's it's a hard one because the team there is so fantastic. and right you know the the product's great, the team's amazing, the customer' success team, the marketing, every everything is, is is it was a really great success. So absolutely we want to acquire again, right. It's a you know a path where we see ourselves going from like you know zero to business pretty quickly. Yes. And, you know, we've, we've built multiple startups, we've built lots of products, we have built, we have built and built and built over and over again. And not to say that we won't do it again, we are absolutely thinking, how do we do it? But a lot of that kind of entrepreneurial building really is happening within the individual companies. Right. And, you know, from a strategy perspective, I'd say that we're absolutely strategizing more towards acquisition versus let's start another startup within, within Redbrick. Right
1: cause cause it ends up being something in addition to one of the companies, right? Like n- a new creative auto uh, uh, yeah. model or different piece that you can add on
0: exactly. And it could be a new product within that company. It could be mm-hmm. uh, a shift or a change um, of focus. It could be a new partnership on one. Like it where a lot of the entrepreneur entrepreneurship happens within the individual companies. And right now, our current strategy is, how do we find another lead pages again? Right. How, how do we, you know, buy another company with 40, 50 people, you know, that's, that's doing well, has a good basis, but we can kind of come in, put in our team, put in our, or put in our structure, not our team, and support that growth and, and, and do that through some technology, do that through some marketing. And we see kind of a long vision of, you know, kind of the next five, 10 years of doing that. I think we're still going to have, you know, our, our, our fun. And I don't think we can shy away from that startup. For sure place, but uh, I feel like that's going to live more likely within our, within the companies that we, we have. And so what worked well, like I, I just
1: imagine, you know, one of the things that we share in the student works organization is just really great community and values. And this is, you know, this is what we work for. And so, so I imagine again, having the amazing growth that you've, you've got red brick has that too. So how did you, judge that whether another company has what you're looking for in terms of a values fit.
0: Yeah, that's that was what was worrisome when we when we went to Minneapolis. Um and you know they the team is a little bit they didn't they don't wear a chip on your shoulder. And I don't know if that kind of chalks up to being people from Minneapolis are just really good people and really yeah. really uh, almost I've, I've kind of seen, like
1: I've noticed that by the way. So
0: <laughs> yeah they and so that made it it was we we went for our first meeting, we met with the leadership team and we were chatting, I remember on the elevator up and like, what do you think? And we're like, Oh, that team was amazing. And the people were, were, were really, really great. So it's, it's, you know, where I think you have to get very comfortable understanding how do they, you know, because if you're going to do that, when you hire, you know, we have a kind of rigid hiring process and, yeah. and we built an incredible culture. You know, we've been recognized for our culture and what we've built and we, you know, we built a huge co-op program and I think we've had over 20 something co-ops over the years. And, you know, people love to come to work for Redbrick and, and yeah. although you're working for more often a company within Redbrick, we want to make sure that that culture is applied and, and all those values. And so we just have to make, make sure that we don't, uh, you know, we don't buy a business with a bunch of assholes really. Is yeah. that the, the, <laughs> the idea. And um, that's, you know, we, we, we've hired amazing people, and luckily, lead pages was like that. And I think that's a big piece of who we yeah. who we acquire in that team because when we acquire, we're not looking to acquire to chop up the team or anything. we We yeah. want to bring that team in and and we want to work with them. And you know i'm I'm happy to go for dinner with every one of our employees um, because you know they're they're great people. they're interesting. Yeah. culturally, they're a great, great fit. And then there's things that we we want to do, right? We want to make sure that, we treat our employees incredibly well. And, you know, for example, in the, in the U S you know, maternity leaves are, are, are often a lot, uh, a lot shorter than, yes. than, in, than in Canada. And, and I think there was a, you know, sometimes it could be weeks for maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, pages had three months, I believe. And we kind of came in and said, well, if we're doing, you know, a year for our Canadian players, why would we just not do that in, in the U S which is completely unheard of. And, you know, we decided, no, we're, we're going to do that. And so we, we rolled that out. And so you can't just, you have to, you have to culturally do the whole, you know, do everything right. And you want to, you have to treat everybody the same, the same way. So I I feel we have that culture and that ability to impact our teams, anybody that we acquire, but you, you really got to do your due diligence. Very similar to, you know how you're going to interview somebody, and yes. and who you're going to be bringing in. Um, so I think leadership, because we didn't get a chance to meet the employees, which was interesting, right? So we only got to meet five people during our diligence process of acquiring that that company. So we met with, you know, they're all their directors. We met with the general manager. Just from meeting those people, you realize everybody else was awesome because they're the ones that were hiring those people, yes. and if they have that. Ability to have those principles and that cultural fit everybody else was, which was a a pretty cool, cool sight sight to see. Right. And, um, you know, I'd say the same, you know, the same thing of why you have friends within student works, why you potentially have relationships within within student works is because the people that are hiring have principles and cultural fits they want to hire and, and why these, you know, big events and everything are, are, are awesome and fun is because you get these like-minded people because you have these like-minded people hiring from, from the start.
1: It's, it's all aligned. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. people you, you go and you're, you know, you're from one part of the country, you meet someone else from the other part of the country, you go, my gosh, how do I love these people so much? Well, because they're all alike, because we're all alike, because we're trying to, again, find those people and 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 I imagine there's probably some companies who aren't as focused on culture and fit when they're looking to acquire companies and and so you know those wouldn't be the ones you'd be looking at you know and and where that's yeah. really something that's really you guys prize and see the value of
0: yeah yeah absolutely so
1: you know one of the things we always like to talk about and you already you already uh brought it up was biggest failures or mistakes, you know, just kind of how did you see it? How did you frame it at the time? You know, uh, what did you learn from it? How do you see mistakes or failure?
0: Well, I think I've seen my, you know, arguably my biggest failure from a, a business perspective has been my greatest success. So I I, oh. I I I think failures are pretty incredible what they can do. They're obviously brutal during but, when you can look back at them they're they're incredibly insightful, and you know I, I think that you know we've we've had companies that we've we've acquired that we've shut down, we've had companies that we've bought that we've built and shut down. But failures are your learning lessons, they're your kind of your experiences, and because of that, you know looking back at it like you know my 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 example is that company that I built um when after student works. I knew quite early on um, that it was going to be a, a failure in terms of the business being, you know, generate revenue and make some profit and continuation right. and be able to scale it. And I, and I think I had to just kind of keep going, you know, keep, keep pushing forward. It was, it was, it was difficult. Um, I think that was kind of probably the hardest point it Was when I knew I wasn't going to be able to turn it around. Yeah. But what I did do was, I pushed through, I tried to acquire another company, as I mentioned, which I I didn't end up of course doing, but that, that conversation, you know, rather than sulking and being like, ah, this, this is crappy, this is not going to work. I pushed through and fast forward nine years, you know, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have met my current, current business partner and, you know, kind of the rest is history type of story. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, you just. You just kind of have to push through, you know, you, you have your kind of ethos and your, you know, your, your processes and, you know, it's an experience and, and wear it and, and, yeah. and keep kind of pushing through.
1: Yeah. And just take that yeah. next best action, right? The next best action is okay. Hey, let's call this other person. Let's yeah. see what happened, you know? And, and
0: yeah, I guess my point of it was that I knew it was failing and I wasn't continuing on to have success. I had no idea it was to ensure that the way that I failed was done the same way that I started. It was, it was done with the same type of energy. It was done with the same yep. type of um, beliefs. And I yep. think that that a lot of people fail poorly and and i saw this between even franchisees when i was a district manager the difference between somebody failing the same way and the same energy that when they started versus the people that failed and the people that failed i knew that they were failing and that they you know the way that they failed was just it was it wasn't done properly they they didn't do it properly and Mm -hmm. there are great ways to fail yeah and i think that you have to do that and it's tough. Right. And I, and I'd say that my first year of running the student works franchise, I failed when I had those failures. Um, and, and I ended what, what I would consider my mind a failure is still a good, you know, it's still a good year. It was probably on average, but it wasn't what I expected. And I kind of said, I don't know if I want to do this again. And, but I put myself in a position that I could do it again because I failed, failed properly. Yeah. You know, I, I learned the lessons properly and
1: Well, and, and also as well, you're, you're in the game, finish it, right? Like just get the most out of this game possible. I'm losing the game, but why just give up, right? No, Play the game through and, and there's something to be gained. There's something to be learned. And, and I had a, you know, I did not make what I thought I should. And I had a similar first year experience and how I handled it made, Uh, my future so much brighter, you know, and, 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 and didn't go to victimhood. Oh, poor me. I went to, okay, how can I find
0: some more clients?
1: How can I finish as strong as I can? What mistakes did I make? How can I improve on that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've done that with other companies that we've had to shut down. And, you know, when we shut them down, we do that properly. We treat all the partners, customers properly. We, it's it's just the way and the process that you you do it and you know you hope that you know all of a sudden three years later and in a in a failed experience comes back around you're like oh holy holy crap that that's interesting how it it reconnected itself and and obviously it's easier for me to say about these failure things because I obviously we have we have success now but and I've also seen how a failure which at the time was really tough to deal with has turned into something obviously much bigger right but, and so it's, it's it's hard for somebody you know who's never had that or, or never been able to see that entire cycle. To, to understand that that actually can impact them, but it, it really can. And
1: most entrepreneurs I know have similar experiences to ours, right? Many failures, yeah. you know, if you're playing the entrepreneurial game, or again, you're playing sports, I'm going to miss a lot of shots, I'm going to hit some shots, you know? Uh, for yeah. me, it's like that, miss a lot of shots, hit some. So, but it yeah. <laughs> wasn't much of a basketball <laughs> player, but anyhow. Um, so as you went from being a university student to being a full-time value creator, um, in the world what did you need to change about yourself
0: i felt that it was experience like i'm I'm very curious I, i've always felt that treating people has been you know a, a really strong suit of mine uh, I, i'd say my, my mom's like that she's very open she's very honest she's you know uh, people tell her a lot of things very quickly because of the way that she approaches people to kind of yeah that definitely helps. So I I say, I I don't know if I I changed a lot. I think that I, I absolutely have changed, but as in like a very specific thing really is for me, it was chalking up as much experience that I could get. Like I was just, I started to become incredibly curious about a lot of things and I still do that today. You know, I'm a very kind of jump in and then figure out as much stuff as I possibly can versus being kind of a surface knowledge type of, A a person, and so I I think that to me was uh, a huge thing because you know you you go from a small town to go to university, then you go to running a you know running a business, and you start to get tons and tons of experience. So how do how do you get more of that? And I think for me is I I just became more and more open and more and more curious to understanding and learning and learning and learning. And so you know a lot of people had said when I in my early days at Redbrick like oh man how many years have you been in tech? And I was like. I just, you know, I just jumped into tech, you know, a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's I, I would say I, I think I'm just getting to the 10 year part of uh, of my career in, 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 in tech. And so but very early on, I was I was able to really understand it because I just was really interested in it. I was very curious about how it works. And so uh, I'd say that's that's. You know, my, my personality's obviously changed, experiences changed, but I I'd, I'd say I really, really adopted this just understanding of of curiosity. And that's really led me to uh, to to be very open.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And so what key habits would someone want to steal from you, Marco?
0: Well, I, I'm very good at I we did this kind of study with this Adobe study and and I ended up becoming this kind of what they called a producer. And, um, you know, I think it's because of the way that our businesses today, I'm, I'm very good at delegating, uh, things, you know, under, understanding to how to take an idea and delegate that out to, out to a team, right. You know, and I, and I work really closely with our creative teams or technology teams and, and, and our marketing teams to, to deliver that. So, Really understanding how to delegate has been something that I've learned uh, over the last kind of you know 10 years, but really kind of honed in in the last kind of three. And I think maybe even having kids has also made me do that because I have really less time. And so the time that I have, um, you know, I, I really understand how to block off time and 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 be really good at what I do. So I, th- I think that if I were to say you're going to steal anything, it's you know I. I I I listen to music, headphones on, and I understand how to create and delegate Mm -hmm. that really, really efficiently. Right. And, you know, I know to jump in when I, when I can, but, you know, I think a lot of people really struggle with understanding how to delegate and, you know, how to, how to do that. Uh, They typically take on way too much, especially stuff that they're not very good at.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have the opportunities to be able to delegate. Yep you know, the size of the company, but I've I've also been at the point where, you know, delegation allows you to understand where you should spend your time. And and when you grow and you're growing a really fast company, I had to use my time very, very wisely. And so, you know, I'm very good at delegating and I'm very good at spending the time on the things that I'm good at and the things that are impactful. And I think people often are spinning the wheels, spending 70, 80 hours a week. I don't spend that much time um, uh, on on work anymore, in business anymore. I've I yeah. have had weeks that I've ate, worked eighty hours a week, but um, you know, I I wake up early. I'm you know on my computer right. at five till five till seven in the morning. You know, I have breakfast with my kids. I go to the office and yeah. you know, I spend a you know I spend very kind of focused time on on creation and working and and then working with my team members, but you know, there's, I think really just kind of understanding your time and that impact of time is, is incredibly important.
1: Yeah. I'm not surprised as well, given what you used to get up at three 30 in the morning to work and uh work, 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 uh, at, at, <laughs> at a shop. So, so not surprised you've kept that good, good practice of getting up early and getting stuff done before people, people get in.
0: Yeah. And I, I try to create a habit of, con- consistency as well you know and mm-hmm. and what i what i do from five to seven in the morning is very different than what i do at three o'clock
1: right yeah
0: and i know that i have valuable time of creativity and valuable time of 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 building um and i know when i probably aren't going to be you know where i'm not going to be very good right like right. you know three, three o'clock on a on a wednesdays is, is not the same as you know, five in the morning on a Tuesday morning, right? Like you're, you're just creatively or just business minded. You're just going to be very different in the way that you think and under understanding that. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, habits like that is very, very important to me. And, and, and kids kind of focus, focus, push you to, to even hone in further You know, I've always worked early in the morning and, you know, changed my routines and everything, but, you know, always kind of, uh, having that time is, is, is really important to focus on the bigger picture. Right.
1: Fantastic. Well, final question, Marco. So when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: I think it's, it's somebody that is gracefully learning, uh, from years of experience and they are open-minded to new opportunities they're not so closed-minded around business and how it works. They're very open-minded. They, they lead with example, they lead with integrity. They, yeah, they, they, they use, they use their experiences to really benefit themselves, but also everybody, everybody around them. You know, there's, there, there's good leaders and there's bad. I've met everybody from in, in between and, I think that those, those leaders that are leading are often uh, the team loves them. The team, you know, really, you know, they're, they're leading by example, they're leading with experience, they're leading with um, curiosity and they're leading with a lot of integrity. And I think you can kind of see that ac- kind of across the board. And uh, I've seen that with people that I've managed and our and different general managers and CEOs within our company, you know, they're really, really respected as leaders and, uh, respect is a, it's a hard thing to gain. So.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. Integrity, empathy, um, you know, putting people first, you know, Marco, I think you've been just an awesome example of that, you know, congratulations on all the success you've had. And, uh, you know, thank you for joining us on the leaders of tomorrow podcast.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been uh, a lot of fun and, I'm happy to, to always put some time away for, for student works. It was uh, obviously an, an impactful experience for me, so.
1: You bet. Well, hey, let's stay in touch and continued success.
0: All right, thanks, Chris.
1: Okay, cheers, bye-bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.